How do you plan on judging him this season? What do you plan on looking for in regards to improvement in his passing game? This is simple. His 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 numbers have to go up, but his numbers have to go up outside of the red zone. And this is where I'm glad I've got my laptop nearby because I've already done the research on this. And I'm, I'm basically going to recite numbers to you about what I think is going to happen. Although now the stupid page isn't loading where I have the information. That's embarrassing. Here's the skinny of it, John. Let, let's give some props to Luke Getze because the number one quarterback in terms of red zone completion rate and red zone touchdown rate last year in the National Football League was Justin Fields. Did you know that? I did not know that. I'm learning something new right now. Completed two-thirds <laughs> of his passes in the red zone. 22 of 33 passes completed in the red zone. 12 of those 22 complete. I don't even need my stupid computer for this, John. 12 of those 22 completions were touchdowns. It wasn't because... Justin Fields dropped back in the pocket and scanned the field and made the correct read out of two or three reads. He was schemed up, man, and it worked out great. He leaned on his tight ends. He leaned on his running backs. Those guys had about half of the 33 targets, which is kind of a problem for DJ Moore when you think about it. But they did a good job of putting Justin in situations where he could throw a touchdown. And that's something that it's easy to build on because if, if they can continue to scheme up outside of the red zone, then hopefully he'll be better. Or I'm sorry, if they can continue to scheme up inside the red zone, hopefully he can be better outside of the red zone. And that's what I think DJ Moore is there for. I think he's there to help make Justin Fields a better passer outside of the red zone. Because let's face it, if I'm the defensive coordinator and you're a defensive coordinator and we're getting ready to play the Bears and we know when they get inside the 20 that DJ Moore's on the team, are we really going to focus our attention on Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool? I don't think so. We're going to be looking at DJ Moore. And so DJ Moore drawing double teams in the red zone, just like he did in Carolina, it's going to open up other guys. And I think that's going to work out for Chicago. But outside of the red zone, this is where Justin Fields struggled. His completion rate was terrible. This is where I wish I had my notes working for me on my computer and we'd be good to go. But he, his touchdown rate was terrible. Completion rate was terrible. Uh, interception rate was high. He was a mess outside of the red zone. This is, I, I think you could look at DJ Moore and say, okay, on those 10 to 15-yard throws, that's where Justin Fields is going to go. And then you're going to hope that DJ Moore can connect on those passes and then make plays after the catch. He did that at times in Carolina. He didn't do it consistently. His catch rate was a little disappointing, honestly. It was below 60% each of the past three years. For a good number one receiver, you want that catch rate to be north of 65%. It was below 60 That's a problem, John. So hopefully that's something that they can rectify this year and that DJ Moore can be the guy that helps move the chains for the Chicago Bears through the air, helps make Justin a better passer. I would look at that type of number for Justin, just overall completion rate, but certainly outside of the red zone. Is he, can, is he maintaining drives with his arm instead of his leg? And then the other thing I would look for is that continued success in the red zone. That's going to be a, a Justin Fields deal, but it's also going to be a Luke Getze deal. And so uh, we'll, we'll see how that turns out. I'd like to think that it, it can be something that works out for Chicago, but we're going to have to wait to see. Adding to the, to the I don't want to say confusion of it all, but like the, it, adding another wrinkle to it is Montgomery not being there. Um, have they effectively replaced Montgomery with Khalil Herbert and then Deontay Foreman will work behind him 
and they'll have a thunder and lightning combo. I think that's their plan. I do think Herbert's a great fit for them, but it's going to be interesting to see how that run game actually works out if it is just Herbert and Foreman. And then if it doesn't work out, that's just more pressure on Justin Fields. It's going to be a very interesting year, but the, the way to judge Justin is going to be, is he a better passer? Are his metrics better? And does it lead to more wins? And, and that's the last point that I would make, is that there were a number of games last year where Justin had the ball in the fourth quarter, and he just could not win the game for Chicago. And they ended up with a number one pick because of it. So they, they've got to do better there. Justin's got to lead them to some fourth quarter comebacks. And if they do that, then I think it'll be a slam dunk that they'll keep Justin Fields. How do you explain his completion issues last season? Was it Fields' fault? Was it a faulty O-line? Was it lack of wide receivers or kind of everything put together? Here's a, here's a stat that's going to make you puke. Um, one out of every six throws that he made was off target. One wow. out of six. So imagine we're, we're ordering pizza for the fellas. And the pizza comes, and it's cut into six slices. We got some hot Giordano's, you know what I'm saying? The stuffed and, you know, the cheese pull and the delicious sausage that they have. And five of the six slices are perfect, and one of the slices has rat poison on it. No one's (laughs) going to eat the rat poison slice, but that's what it it was for Justin Fields last year. One out of every six throws, 16% of his throws were off target. Dude, it's really hard to be a great quarterback when you're off target on your throws. And so that it's it's as simple as that. He's got to be more accurate with his passing. And if he does that, then everything will be roses and and he'll be a much better quarterback for him. Um do do, do I do I fault the Bears for not having great receivers around him? Listen, man, if you if one out of every six throws you're making is bad, it's you could have Jerry Rice and Calvin Johnson and Randy Moss at wide receiver. Uh, I'm going to take that back. If those guys are your wide receivers, you'll be able to make it through on five out of six throws. But if you've got one of those guys with Darnell Mooney and Equinemia St. Brown, it's going to be a problem. So he needs to be more accurate. DJ's a, a certainly an upgrade at wide receiver. Let's see what else they do, if they do anything at all. And yeah, having Darnell Mooney back and healthy, that's going to help too. I mean, we can't sit here and say that Darnell Mooney is a, is a mediocre receiver. He's got good speed. Uh, I wish his hands were a little bit bigger, but he's overcome that so far in his career. And and there's certainly upside for Chase Claypool. And I, I would give the benefit of the doubt to Getze to use Claypool even more in his second season as a Bear. What do you think the Bears' offensive fantasy outlook could be like? Sure. Uh, Fields is going to be the first guy off the Well, I say that Fields is going to be the first guy off the board, but I wonder in full PPR leagues if DJ Moore ends up going before him. Okay. And I, I did a whole breakdown on CBS Sports of of what to expect from DJ Moore. Okay. I talked about how his catch rate hasn't been great for the past three years. I talked about Chicago really didn't throw that much in 2022. Uh, I expect it to go up. I talked about fields and how great he is in the red zone, but terrible outside of the red zone. These are all factors that are going to play into to, to DJ Moore this year. I still don't expect the Bears to throw more than like 27, 28 attempts per game. I don't think they're going to just completely unload Justin and say, go out there and, you know, play like Patrick Mahomes, man. I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't think he'll average over 30 attempts per game. But if he does, and if DJ Moore catches 60% of his targets each week and he gets a 25% target share, these are all the qualifiers, uh, he gets over 1,100 yards barely. Maybe he can match the seven touchdowns that he had last year because he can still score from outside of the red zone. And he can get you uh, close to 80 catches. 
So 80 catches, 1,100 yards, and seven touchdowns, it's not bad. That's a, that's a number two receiver in fantasy football. I'd draft him toward the bottom of that list. You're probably looking at like round four or five for DJ Moore, whether it's PPR or not in fantasy football. Justin's got all the upside in the world. He could be the number one quarterback in fantasy if he improves as a passer and he runs like Lamar Jackson. If he does something like that, now we're talking about an MVP type season for Justin Fields. He would be absolutely worth a pick in around four or five in that regard. So it's going to be close between Moore and Fields where they will go in fantasy drafts this year. Khalil Herbert's going to be a popular guy if he is the 1A running back in Chicago. Figure he'll be around six or seven pick in fantasy drafts. Foreman will probably be around nine or ten pick. I think fantasy managers are done thinking about Deontay Foreman as one of these guys who uh, is coming back from an Achilles and he's slow. Uh, I, I think he proved in Carolina last year that he's actually got some mojo back. And I think that that was a good buy for the Bears as far as um, inexpensive running backs go. He could end up being a good value in that round. Um, what did I say? Nine to ten? Maybe it's going to be closer to eight, nine for Deontay Foreman as, as a good bench fantasy running back. I I, I would take Cole Komet as like a, a, a tight end that I would begin the season with. Um, I think his his genesis is can he catch a touchdown? And we know that he'll get schemed up at times to go ahead and get those touchdowns. Will he be great at it? I don't know. I don't know if he'll be amazing. And, and at best, he'll be second on the team in targets, but he'll probably be closer to third or fourth because of Mooney being back. Um, Mooney and Claypool will get drafted, but they're going to be late-round picks, just like Cole Komet. No one in their right mind would take the Bears' defense whatsoever in <laughs> fantasy drafts. So, so I think you're looking at DJ Moore or Justin Fields as the first bear off the board and the second bear off the board. Herbert will be third. And then Foreman will probably, Foreman's going to go before Mooney and Cole Komet. Though so the one question you always have to ask yourself when you draft a player, John, is why? Why am I drafting this guy? Okay. Am I drafting Darnell Mooney because I think he's going to overtake DJ Moore and be the number one receiver in Chicago and have the breakout year that we thought he might have been able to do in 2022 or 2021? I think it's far-fetched. I think he's going to be a tremendous role player for Chicago who might get around five targets per game and probably one out of every three or four games can be pretty good for Darnell Mooney. But I don't see him as a, as a massive fantasy contributor. And so my why for drafting Darnell Mooney would be, well, he's going to be a receiver on my bench who's got limited upside. And I can find those guys like crazy in the double-digit rounds. So I'm not going to go and make an effort to get Darnell Mooney on my fantasy squad compared to somebody like Foreman, who if Khalil Herbert doesn't work out, maybe Khalil misses some time. Hello, Deontay Foreman is going to be at the forefront of the Bears' run game, and he should be able to do well with it. I'd rather have that guy on my bench rather than Darnell Mooney.